Hello, and welcome to the Legion Spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mann. In this episode, I'll be discussing the Legion of Superheroes from DC Comics. This is Legion Spotlight number 14, and we're continuing our journey through the Legion of Superhero comics, starting up this episode in October 1963. Next up is Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen number 72 and the World of Doom Dolsons. This is written by Jerry Siegel. We've got art by Kurt Swan, October 1963. It's a nine page story, and really the bottom third or whatever of the ninth page is an ad and this is another one that starts with a full page kind of interior cover and it's interesting because that interior cover is essentially but not exactly the actual cover of the comic it's different art but it's the same basic situation of jimmy being tormented by a couple of his different transformations and former identities including elastic lad Now, the basic story here is that Jimmy is guest-starring on a television show of Meet the Celebrities. Because at this point, Jimmy is a celebrity, not just a a cub reporter of the Daily Planet. And part of that is all of these fantastic transformations he's had, and he's here on the show showing those off. Elastic Lad, Wolfman, the Human Porcupine, Giant Turtle Man, Fat Boy. And really, at this point again, uh, Jimmy has had a number of bizarre transformations, some of them repeatedly, and he's become kind of infamous for that. I I don't know if famous or infamous is really the right word. And clearly he's famous enough to have a large studio audience and stuff while he's doing this. But when he becomes like the Wolfman, he terrifies the crowd and they're about to storm out of the theater and such. So again, it's it's an odd sort of celebrity aspect. But near the end of his presentation and such when he's ready for questions, in comes the collector. And he's in this what looks kind of like a, a time sphere sort of thing. Not exactly like one, but kind of similar. And he basically abducts Jimmy and takes him off to an alien world. Gionel, or I don't know how to pronounce this. G-I-O-N-E-L. So, it's not Krypton, but it's sure got a Kryptonian kind of a name. And this collector has this ring which he can use to do various things. He kind of uses it to grab Jimmy as if it's a, I don't know, a tractor beam or some such. And then he also uses it to create duplicates of Jimmy's various transformations. Again, Elastic Lad, Wolfman, Human Porcupine, Giant Turtle Man, and Fat Boy, who proceed to kind of torment Jimmy. And the collector has kind of rooted Jimmy to the ground with these tree branches and such. And this whole thing is just kind of making Jimmy miserable or whatnot, and he finally convinces these duplicates that they wouldn't exist without him, they should help him fight the Collector. They agree, and the Collector then quickly roots them to the ground. But Jimmy's like, you know, if if only I was on Earth, I could use my signal watch to get Superman. Collector's like, oh, he's nearby anyways, try it, what do I care? So he uses the signal watch, brings in Superman, but the Superman's like, oh, I can't interfere with the Collector. His super science could destroy the Earth. And Jimmy's like, oh, yeah, well, okay, I get it. And I'm like, wow, what, what a friend Superman is. And then after Superman leaves, the Collector explains why he's punishing Jimmy. 
Because apparently Jimmy used his signal watch like 18 times the previous month, and the resulting sonic waves penetrated into the Collector's dimensional world, causing a reaction that destroyed the greatest city there. And Jimmy's like, well, sorry, I didn't mean any harm or whatnot. But when the Collector threatens to transform him into his most gruesome shape of all, Jimmy is like, you know, he's gone through quite a few not-so-great transformations. He finally takes off his giant lapel mic he'd been wearing for the television show, throws it at the Collector. He's like, what the hell's he gonna do? I mean, it's, it's, it's not that big of a mic. But the Collector dodges. And Jimmy's like, oh, I think I know what's going on. Basically, when the, the Collector, you know, oh, you'll pay for that. Jimmy's like, hey, give it up, Monel. I, I know what's going on. You're all Legionnaires, and you're, you're pranking me. And Monel's like, how did you figure out? Well, the mic had some lead in it, which Monel was previously affected like Kryptonite would affect Superman, so he just kind of ducked out of habit. Giant Turtle Boy spoke, and when Jimmy was Giant Turtle Boy, he couldn't, so he must be Colossal Boy, which of course he was. Elastic Lad was Chameleon Boy. Jimmy realizes the only one that never spoke was Wolfman, and that he must be Prody, the pet of Chameleon Boy. Chameleon Boy corrects him. It's like, actually, it's Prody 2, a friend of his first pet who died recently, you know, in Adventure Comics 312 when they resurrected Lightning Lad. And then Jimmy correctly guesses that the human porcupine is Cosmic Boy, whose magnetism was able to repel the steel needles. And Fat Boy, unsurprisingly, was Bouncing Boy, who could inflate his form in a balloon-like thing. And that Superman was, of course, in on the whole thing. And Monel does a quick explanation of the fake tree roots of, hey, I did it at super speed, all that kind of a deal. But Jimmy's like, I, I get it, except for, why go to all this trouble and, and prank me and stuff? And like, Superman's, up, oh, you'll find out. So, the Legion's going off in their hidden time sphere, or time globe, as they're calling it here. Superman flies Jimmy to the future, and basically, since Jimmy passed the initiation test, he's being inducted into the Legion as an honorary member. Now, what's interesting is Jimmy questions, you know, how? I don't have any powers. Cosmic Boy's like, well, you do as Elastic Lad. Now, I'm not sure that powers are a requirement for an honorary Legionnaire. Now, at this point, I think the only other one we have is Pete Ross, who doesn't have any powers and didn't need any powers to become an honorary one. Later, we get a few other honorary members, most of which have powers, one or two don't. But what's interesting of counting Elastic Lad as his powers is those are temporary, artificially induced powers, which normally don't count for full membership into the Legion. And there is one other honorary member later who has superpower-like abilities through an artifact uh, versus innate abilities. But that was af long after he'd become an honorary member. Anyways, he figured out, Jimmy figured out how they were doing all this. And he gets inducted in. There's a big ceremony, complete with, you know, a future media crew. And even in attendance are some of the members of the subs. Polar Boy, Night Girl, Stone Boy, Fire Lad. You know, we also get Triplicate Girl, Saturn Girl, Lightning Lad, and Sun Boy showing up here, but not really doing anything or saying anything. But I thought this was a fun story, Jimmy becoming an honorary member of the Legion. And again, he's got now, Jimmy's got just such a unique place in the Superman mythos. The other part that's fascinating is at this point, Superboy is a member of the Legion, but it was Superman who kind of brought Jimmy here. And this goes back to this era of the Legion interacting with two eras in Superman's life simultaneously. 
him as a member of Superboy, and then the Superman time frame when Jimmy is from, Supergirl is from, etc. So I always found that, you know, difference of the 10 years, 15 years, whatever it was, Superman's life and how they kind of, I don't want to say bounce back and forth, but kind of jump in at both points, kind of interesting and a little perplexing. But anyways, fun story. This is, again, The World of Doom Dolsons from Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, number 72. Next up is Adventure Comics number 313 and The Condemned Legionnaires Part 1 and The Condemned Legionnaires Part 2, The Secret of Satan Girl. And this is written by Edmund Hamilton. We've got art by Kurt Swan, also from October 1963. Total of 16 pages. First part was 8 pages. Second part was 8 pages. But the first part had a full page kind of interior cover image and a third of a page ad at the end of it. Second part had kind of a two-thirds page interior cover image and a third of the page ad at the end of it. So really, we're talking a little under 14 pages there. And again, they tell a ton of story here. Now, this is another one that I consider kind of one of those puzzle stories of who is Satan Girls? Why is she trying to kill the female members of the Legion? And we get a lot of Legionnaires in here. Now, the female Legionnaires that fall ill include Night Girl, who's technically of substitute heroes member, but she offers to help out when the others get sick and she falls ill. But Saturn Girl, Phantom Girl, Lightning Lass, uh, Triplicate Girl, and Shrinking Violet. Supergirl is in the story. She's kind of the lead character. We get a brief appearance of Superboy and Mon-El, but since we're going, you know, Supergirl versus Saturn Girl, they want to get those two boys out. And then we've also got Sunboy, Boy, Colossal Boy, Cosmic Boy, Lightning Lad, Chameleon Boy, Brainiac 5, and Polar Boy, all as kind of supporting members of the story. Some do more than others. A few, like Brainiac 5, are just there to show up and not really do anything. And basically what happens with the story is, while off on some solo missions, various female Legionnaires fall ill from some sort of crimson virus, or technically it's a virus that turns them crimson. So we got Lightning Lad, Saturn Girl, Shrinking Violet, and it kind of goes from there. Superboy has arrived from the past to help Monel with a mission where two planets are like going to collide into each other and need two Kryptonian level Daxamite level characters to deal with it. Again, Night Girl comes into the story because the subs are kind of you know keeping their identity hidden from the Legion, but she still offers to help out and they accept. But the minute she gets near the others with the the virus, boom, she falls ill to it. And the female Legionnaires and Night Girl are sent off to Quarantine World using a space bubble. It's a spaceship. It's basically what's on the cover of the comic. It's more of a almost a donut-shaped kind of disc craft, not really a bubble. Anyways, I, I digress. And this quarantine world is kind of what it sounds like. It's a quarantine world with, you know, robot nurses and whatnot. As soon as the female Legionnaires are headed off there, the Legion's, of course, vowing to find the cure before they die and Superboy and Monel kind of exit the story at this point to go off and do their mission to prevent those planets from colliding. And then Satan Girl shows up to take the place of all the female Legionnaires. And uh, doesn't really get, get accepted for that, for obvious reasons. Now, her costume is a basically a black suit with kind of a dark red maroon kind of cape and belt and stuff. And she's got a full mask to hide her identity because that's always on the up and up with the Legion. And she reveals she was the one that unleashed the virus, and she, she doesn't really take getting rejected well, and vows to go to Quarantine World and kill off the female Legionnaires. And she's got super speed, super strength, and vulnerability, 
Oh, and by the way, she decides to disable the Legion ship so they can't follow her. So, clearly not Legion material. Now, they realize that somebody would be a match for her, and that would be Supergirl. Supergirl should be available to come from the 20th century, and promise to visit about this time. And they send off the call, she shows up, and like, oh, you received the call? And it's like, no, I'd already left, I was coming, what do you need me for? She gets the lowdown. And what's interesting is she is appointed, or named, Honorary Leader of the Legion to deal with this crisis. I'm not sure who's technically Leader of the Legion at this point, because it's always kind of felt like it's Cosmic Boy. I mean, sometimes Sun Boy is, is doing a lot of the talking and stuff, as is the case here. He's the one who names Supergirl Honorary Leader. But I guess the last election we had, technically Saturn Girl is who won. So it's, it's all kind of nebulous. They didn't take the leadership stuff I don't want to say they didn't take it seriously, but they, they weren't too clear about it at this point. So they repair the Legion ship, they head off to Quarantine World, and of course Supergirl uses her super speed to get there faster. The female Legionnaires are, are being cared for by these giant, frankly kind of clunky looking robot nurses. But Satan Girl shows up, uses heat vision to melt their wiring and disable them, and then some kind of, I don't know, wrist-mounted beam to basically make their virus worse. At which point Supergirl shows up, realizes Saturn Girl has a leadline mask, so she can't see her face using X-ray vision. This goes to it's the mystery of who is Satan Girl, why is she doing this? And Satan Girl considers Supergirl her greatest enemy. And of course Supergirl's a little puzzled by that, but Saturn Girl has the strength and speed to match Supergirl, so it's oh, she must be a Kryptonian. And they fight for a Good couple of panels causing some definite destruction, you know, knocking through a tree, smashing a, a giant boulder and stuff and, and whatnot, while the other Legionnaires are just kind of looking on, too ill to do anything. Supergirl starts grappling with Satan Girl and realizes, now that I've got a hold of her, I can melt the mask. Find out who she is, because of course, if you know who she is, suddenly you can defeat her. It's like, I don't quite know that, but at this point, Supergirl's thinking it's an escaped Kryptonian criminal from the Phantom Zone. So knowing who, who you're going up against, okay, that makes sense. Because there's a couple of those Phantom Zone villains that definitely you'd want to know who you're going up against and how to fight them. But Satan Girl realizes what's going on, shakes loose, gets out of there. Before following Satan Girl, Supergirl heads off to the main hospital in search of green kryptonite. And they're like, yeah, we've got samples of kryptonite dust. It cures certain space ills for ordinary people, but it would paralyze you, Supergirl. It's like, oh, well, give it to me in a lead box. That'll protect me. Gets that, heads off to an asteroid where Satan Girl is. And of course, Satan Girl has kind of expected this. Supergirl throws the lead box. It shatters against the, a cave wall where Satan Girl is. Green kryptonite powder everywhere. That will stop her, except, of course, it doesn't. It's like, oh, yeah, not a big deal. I can destroy you, overpower you. I'm immune to this, this green kryptonite stuff. And this goes back to, again, the puzzle aspect of the story. And Supergirl's like, well, if she's immune to green kryptonite, she can't be Kryptonian, what's the story? Satan Girl is headed back into the cave in the asteroid, and of course, <laughs> Supergirl can't follow because of the green kryptonite she just put there. But Satan Girl, being clever, uses her super strength, drills through the asteroid and goes out the other side, which Supergirl figures out before too long. End of part one. Now, we're eight pages in, we've disabled... A lot of the, well, all the female Legionnaires, I think, at this point, and it's really more of a Supergirl story set in the Legion time frame and era with them as supporting casts and whatnot. Now, the other thing that's kind of interesting, again, going back to the puzzle aspect of the story, 
is Satan Girl is thinking, I've only got 24 hours altogether. By the end of that time, all the Girl Legionnaires must be dead. So there's a ticking clock aspect to this. And again, this is kind of a, a clue to, to what's going on. Now, at this point, my theory is that with the, the 24-hour deadline and stuff, and her being immune to green kryptonite, that, that part threw a wrinkle into it. But if you ignore that part, it's like, ah, maybe a red kryptonite clone of Supergirl, because that usually lasts 48 to 72 hours or whatnot in this era. On the next second part of this story, we get a, a cover image uh, letting us know the Legion of Super Pets is going to show up. And the story starts in with the Legion having arrived at Quarantine World as Supergirl gets back. And they're like, how can we stop her? She's just as powerful. But Supergirl has to figure out her origin. Only then can they figure out what her secret vulnerability may be. And it's like, well, can't we hide the, the Legionnaires somewhere else? And he's like, yes, of course we can. So they head off to a secret world that Supergirl knows about. And there is a race of intelligent alien animals that she saved from cosmic dust or something like that. And it's like, if they remember me, they'll let us take refuge here. And these things are giant orb faces or whatever with, with hair, but not much hair. But imagine, I was going to say almost giant tribbles, but like balding tribbles, I guess. Not that they have faces or mouths, but that's what these things have. Kind of weird, but okay. And what's even weirder is it's like, oh, they're great at bouncing. So, of course, Bouncing Boy wants to go off bouncing with them. And I'm like, how is this going to figure into the story? Spoiler, it doesn't. It just, they needed to do something with Bouncing Boy, I guess. Supergirl heads off, creates a weapon to shoot gas that'll temporarily paralyze any android's chemical life. Because, of course, Satan Girl has to be an android. What else could she be? She's immune to green kryptonite, can't be kryptonian, immune to lead because of the lead mass, can't be a daxamite, ergo must be an android. Satan Girl shows up. It's like, well, how did she know where this world was? Lightning Lad, some boy attack. Powers don't phase her. She basically blows them out of the way with super breath, which again goes to maybe she's a kryptonian or a daxamite. Supergirl hits her with this android defeating gas which literally Satan Girl just laughs off. It's like, you'd be amazed who I really am, but I'm not an android. The animals of this planet decide to help out and kind of distract Satan Girl. Meanwhile, Supergirl has some boy and the rest of the Legion get the female Legionnaires back in the ship and head off for another unknown planet. And again, we get a reminder of the 24-hour time deadline that Satan Girl has and a clue that she knows every secret in Supergirl's mind. And again, this kind of plays into to my theory at this point. Now, we then get to the Puppet Planetoid, which is a playground world for these giant-sized cross-dimensional children of another world that have opened up a little gateway from their world that they can do puppeteering in our world, which is just mind-blowing. And I'm, I'm reading this thinking... What Supergirl story was this from? And I, I think this is actually a new idea introduced here. I do think we come back to this world a time or two later in the overall Legion mythos, but it may be another decade or two before we get there. But again, another world that only Supergirl knows about, so clearly they'll be safe here, except Satan Girl shows up with this armload of, of green kryptonite to disable Supergirl. And she does that quickly hits the female legionnaires again with these rays to 
attack them again with this this crimson virus or whatnot. Lightning Lad and Sunboy try to attack Satan Girl again. Doesn't work. Off Lightning Lad goes to go help Supergirl. He gets the green kryptonite away from, from Supergirl, and she's like, I have an idea. Now, granted, the last couple of ideas she has hasn't worked out, but let's try again. She realizes Satan Girl can't affect animals, so she has Lightning Lad go use the time bubble to go get the Legion of Super Pets. So, in literally a couple of very tiny panels that are all crammed together into a, a bigger one, he gets Super Horse, Super Monkey, Crypto, and Streaky. They show up, and they're able to kind of pin down Satan Girl, who says, Oh, they're immune to my red kryptonite radiation, which, again, kind of reveals that my theory was correct, and that she is a red kryptonite clone of Supergirl. Because apparently when Supergirl flew forward into the 30th century, she overshot a little bit and appeared in space near a meteor of red kryptonite, didn't realize it, it divided her in two and kind of knocked her unconscious. The version that became Satan Girl woke up first and realized, I'm the clone, and if I don't get rid of this red kryptonite stuff before the 24-hour deadline, I'll just merge back in. So she created, using the super science she knows, these bracelets to, to siphon her red kryptonite radiation into other people, and then goes around finding the female legionnaires, thinking not only is that a, a great place to store the radiation out of her, but it will confuse Supergirl and make her think that she could be a victim too. So a little uh, psychological ops going on here too. And Satan Girl sees Supergirl recovering, heading to Earth, and realizes, okay, I gotta hide my identity so she won't suspect we're divided, know it's a red kryptonite thing, wear, you know, different costume, leadline mask, etc. But we're now hitting the end of the, the 48 hours. She kind of fades away out of her costume and merges back into Supergirl who's still confused, how can she be immune to the green kryptonite? And in the next panel, we get a later, that question is answered, with some boy having found a suit of lead armor painted to look just like Satan Girl's regular costume, and that she must have worn that when handling the green kryptonite and stuff, and seeming immune to it that way. So, all of this is almost a self-induced story of the Legion, with no real other villain to speak of, because Satan Girl is Supergirl. We get a fair number of Legionnaires here, plus the Legion of Super Pets. Granted, a lot of these characters don't do much but, either in the female's case, sit around being ill, or in the guy's case, standing around, frankly not doing a whole lot for the most part. Once you get past Sunboy and Lightning Lad, most of the other people there, particularly Bouncing Boy and Colossal Boy and Cosmic Boy, who are there for most of the story, they're there to fill out the roster, not to really do much. So I thought it was a decent story. I've got mixed feelings on these puzzle stories of can you solve the mystery of the story. They're fun. It's nice to have them done in one. Granted, it's two parts, but, you know, like I said, it takes 16 pages, a little less of that a story once you take out the ads and the interior covers. So you at least get a full reading experience and a good kind of pausing point in the middle to, to contemplate the story and put your guesses together and such. And I think at the end of the first part, they'd given enough clues to, to figure out what the resolution was going to be. Overall, I enjoyed it. Decent story. Again, more of a Supergirl story than a Legion, although they are definitely front and center throughout the entire story. So once again, that's the Condemned Legionnaires Part 1 and the Condemned Legionnaires Part 2, The Secret of Satan Girl, from Adventure Comics number 313. Next up is Adventure Comics number 314, 
with the supervillains of all ages part one and the supervillains of all ages part two the civil war of the legion this is written by edmund hamilton we've got john forte on the art it actually has a signature for him on i think it was the first in uh, the part one interior cover which is a little unusual actually i don't recall really seeing artists signing their stuff that much in what i've read so far on this so anyways interesting November 1963, total of, uh, I think, 17 pages, but take out a full page for the interior cover on part one, a third of a page ad at the end of both part one and part two, another two-thirds of a page interior cover at the start of part two, so really, you know, two and a third pages is is not really story content. Now, I I point out these interior covers because I find them fascinating, and it's something we just don't have these days. And this is probably the most interesting case of them, because often they're kind of redundant of the actual cover of the comic, if there was one. Obviously there was one, but if there was one for the Legion story, because sometimes the Legion isn't the cover feature. Now, in this case, it was the cover feature, but it's showing this one guy with three people in, you know, green mask, hooded costumes and stuff, saying that I've assembled the Three greatest villains of all time, disband the Legion or be destroyed. And we've got Superboy and Monel trying to see through the masks, but their X-ray vision can't do it. Saturn Girl's there, her telepathy can't read their minds, so who are these three great villains? Now that's the actual cover. Now, the first page of the comic is the interior cover for the Tales of the Legion story, and it shows Superboy, Monel, and Ultra Boy getting kind of mind transfers from history's three worst criminals, which is very different than them actually facing off the three worst criminals. So I found that difference of the interior cover and the actual cover, you know, just fascinating for the different way they pitched the story. Now, what's going on with this is, as we've had for a number of stories recently, we've got, you know, just a page or two of random Legion business. In this case, they're testing the security, automated security systems of the clubhouse. And they've got a couple of test robots there for dummy purposes or, you know, testing purposes. One tries to go in the front door, but since he didn't hit the secret turn-off switch, the door basically electrifies him and shocks him, which isn't enough to kill a normal person, but it would shock him into helplessness. It's like, okay. The next robot gets into the hallway or whatever, but because it didn't step on the floor tiles in the right order, you know, these, these gratings fall down imprisoning him. Okay, again, seems like a little bit of a hassle to get into the clubhouse, but, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. But their time bubble, you know, that's something you've definitely got to protect. And it's got a doorknob on the outside, which I don't think I've ever seen in any of the exterior shots of it. But if you don't turn the doorknob in the right combination, knockout gas gets sprayed and renders the thief unconscious. Okay, testing of the security done, now they can go to Legion tryouts. And we've got two tryouts. The first guy gets all of a panel. It's Ron Carr, R-O-N-N-K-A-R, of Neptune. And his power is super flattening. Yeah, he can just flatten himself. Almost the inverse of Bouncing Boy. And it's funny because Saturn Girl's like, yeah, we've agreed your powers. Strange as it is, just it's, it's not useful. So next applicant. The funny part is Bouncing Boy's like standing right there the only other character in the panel. Now, we are going to wind up seeing Ron Carr later, 
And at first I was thinking, man, it's a shame he doesn't go join the uh, the Legion of Substitute Heroes. Eventually, he does. He makes a few not-so-great-life choices in the meanwhile, such as joining the Legion of Supervillains. Not that he's a bad guy, he's just lonely, I think. Anyways, all of a panel there, but that character, again, we see later. I don't know, the next time we see him, it may be better part of a decade or more. Then the next character... Alactor, A-L-A-K-T-O-R. I'm spelling these out because I know I am probably butchering a lot of these names. He's a scientist. He's invented the Marvel Belt, or this Marvel Belt. And the gadgets give him super radiance, super loud sound, mechanical hypnotizing, and other, and he's demonstrating the roar of super loud sound. And he quickly gets rejected because they only take members whose powers are physical, not dependent on a device or a machine. And we've seen others get drummed out pretty quickly uh, for this very reason. But this guy, not really too upset, because he wasn't really trying to join the Legion. He was there to x-ray the clubhouse and find their hidden defenses. He basically wants to rob them, and he was casing the joint. Interesting, because this is, you know, the first step of his plan to become Master of Worlds. A humble guy, of course. Now, the Legion then goes and heads off on a mission to Lost World, which is a wandering planet that is uh, came from outer space, passing through the solar system, and it's going to, you know, go off the other edge or whatever. It was populated by a long extinct race. They had great scientists. They have all these super powerful machines. So realizing this is a target for opportunists, the Legion has a couple of people guarding this world. And who better than Superboy, Monel, and Ultra Boy? Now, they're going to need to stay there to prevent the outlaws from seizing any machines or whatever. Since they got nothing better to do, they decide they're going to build a replica of their clubhouse here. I don't think we ever actually see that in the story, at least when I was reading through it. It, it never became a story point. Maybe we see it in the background somewhere. But it's like, okay, why mention that if we're not going to do anything with it? Meanwhile, uh, Alactor is basically gotten past the shocking front door walking on the tiles in the hallway in the right order, twisting the combination correctly for the time bubble, and about to steal it. But alas, there was one other automatic alarm, a beacon that TV scanners in the weapon room turn on if a stranger enters. So this is happening right as the Legion is about to land back at their clubhouse. They're trying to stop this guy from stealing the time bubble, but he's already started it, so it's fading into the past and they're unable to. Now, the problem with this is they don't know where he's going, because Saturn Girl didn't have really time to get much out of him other than he's going to unloose the greatest evils in history. It's like, well, that's not good. The big problem here seems to be that the Legion can't follow him back in time without a time bubble, and they only had the one. I'm like, well, wait a second. Didn't you guys used to have at least one other? Because I know there were stories that involved two time bubbles simultaneously and not with a time travel, you know, it being a replica of itself sort of a deal. But this is the Legion, so they've got no choice but to do the obvious, which is to build another. Okay. Meanwhile, uh, Alactor has decided to go back to ancient Rome. He's watching uh, Nero fiddle as Rome burns, decides to go just a little further ahead. So when Nero's getting chased out of town, it's like, oh, I'll rescue you. And it's funny because they make a point of... Alactor speaking Latin to Nero so he can understand him. It's the only time that's mentioned. The rest of the time, the guy seems to have no problem understanding what's going on. Which is weird, because if a guy came in a, a sphere and just kind of materialized and 
you know, Glassphere, which Glass wasn't even around back then, I think. I, I don't know, maybe it was. Anyways, Nero took it pretty well. Alactor then heads to 1934 to go pick up a notorious outlaw, John Dillinger. I'm like, okay, he may be a notorious outlaw, but is he really one of the greatest evils of all time? It seems like, you know, there's some other choices. Uh, Nero, not a good guy, but again, not sure if he's the, the ultimate evil either. But he's able to get Dillinger to join his quote-unquote mob because he's getting chased by the FBI and the police, and here's a way out. By this point, by this point, this is a, a one of the oddities of time travel stories where subjective time for various characters progresses in tandem, even if they're set centuries apart, because the Legion has built their other time bubble, and now they're going to go head to the past, but how will they find him in all of history? Well, some boy says, hey, Saturn Girl, use your thought-casting power and see if you can sense him as we're traveling back in time. If so, we'll stop then. Okay, we'll try it. And she's done this sort of a thing before in space, and I'm, I'm curious at what point in the Legion continuity where this just kind of fades away and doesn't get used again. But she senses Alactor as they hit 1945. They're in Berlin, so midst of World War II. Because, of course, Alactor is there to recruit Adolf Hitler and is able to do it. And it's like, hey, let's get out of here before that next, you know, Allied air raid strike hits or whatever. They're taking off. The Legion is in chase. But that air raid gets between the two of them. And they've got to kind of throw the time bubble a little into the past to avoid a collision. and they lose Alactor at that point. So Saturn Girl senses he's gone to the future, you know, he's collected his, his thugs or whatever, you know, and as they're moving through time, she doesn't sense him, so they figure he must be going back to the 30th century. And it's like, oh, these are the greatest evils in history that he's going to use for his plan. And they decide that, hey, once we get back to our time, Saturn Girl, go ahead to Lost World, check in with Superboy and the others, just let them know what's going on. End of part one. At this point, it's like, okay, he's summoned these, or recruited these guys, what's he gonna do? Well, when we start part two, we get a interior cover panel of some boy, Lightning Lad, and Saturn Girl being chased by Superboy, Monel, and Ultra Boy, so we know it's not gonna go well. Alactor brings Nero, Dillinger, and Hitler to this lost world, which has all this great alien machinery and science, we're gonna take it. It's like, but you said there are guards. How will we overcome them? Oh, well, first we'll just ask nicely. You know, see if we can bluff our way through. It's like, because that's going to work. And Alactor gives the other three these cowls that are treated with lead and chemicals that'll block x-ray vision, telepathy, all that kind of stuff to keep their identity secret. He shows up to Superboy and Ultra Boy and stuff right as Saturn Girl gets there to warn them about these villains. And... Alactor is there to deliver the ultimatum of, of disband or be destroyed. And this panel here on page two of part two, uh, third panel on the page, it's not exactly what that cover image was on the outside of the comic, because we got Ultra Boy in place of Monel. And the positioning, I mean, the art is different, but the angle, the, the description of the two, if you swap out Monel and Ultra Boy, is basically the same. I mean, Saturn Girl's not mentioning that she can't do it with the telepathy but she'd already said that a panel before. So again, kind of interesting where they took the, the inspiration for the actual cover of the comic versus, you know, where in the story it took place. But Alactor is like, you know, hey, you've, you've refused to surrender, so accept your fate. You will be destroyed. 
and you know, because Superboy is like, you know, we we can't surrender. We're, we're the heroes. You know, matter no matter what the cost, we must persevere. Superboy does convince Electro to let Saturn Girl leave unharmed, and he's like, yeah, what do I care about some girl? Fine, leave. He gets back in the the time bubble, heads into space, and then sets up this psycho changer on Nero, Hitler, and Dillinger. And the psycho changer is, of course, what we'd seen in the interior cover on part one. They then come back down to the planet. Superboy, Monel, and Ultra Boy fly over and show up. And Superboy's like, I recognize these men. It's impossible. They're all dead. And I'm thinking, says the Kryptonian teenager who's hanging out in the future with his friends. It's like, time travel guy, you're doing it right now. You got to know about this. But as that is happening, Alactor turns on the psycho changer. And Superboy's not worried because, you know, it can't harm me or, you know, I'm invulnerable or whatever. Well, it turns out it affects the mind and the personality, not the body. And it transfers the personality of Hitler into the body of Superboy. And Superboy's like, oh, I'm the Fuhrer of Nazi Germany. But he's not Hitler. He's Superboy with Hitler's personality and attitude. And it was kind of weird because Superboy, you know, hangs on to Ultra Boy and Monel long enough for them to, to kind of have the personality transfer Nero into Monel and Dillinger into Ultra Boy. And it's interesting because the way they're talking, they clearly have the memories and history of Monel, Superboy, and Ultra Boy, but now suddenly their attitudes, their personality, their worldview is that of these great villains who are kind of in a coma-like trance and just kind of ignored for quite a bit of the rest of the story here. So, Alactor's like, hey, I've done all this for you, now you get to help me, you know, gather these machines so we can dominate all the worlds. And they're like, yeah, we're not going to do that. We don't need you anymore. And he's like, oh, but you promised. And it's like, supervillains betray. What do you expect? And they basically time to a pole with a steel bar and such, because you've got Kryptonian, a Daxamite, and... A human who's got that level of power, even if it can only use one at a time. And by this point, Saturn Girl has gotten back to Earth and Legion Clubhouse, told them, hey, these three criminals are on Lost World. I don't know who they are, but okay. They're like, hey, they're after the scientific equipment. Let's go stop them. And by let's go stop them, it comes down to Saturn Girl, Sunboy, and Lightning Lad, which... At this point, they don't know about the personality transfer, so they're expecting to have Superboy, Bonnell, and Ultra Boy on their side, so I can see going with a small group. They get there, and they're like, oh, thank God, Superboy, and you guys were on guard, you've already captured one of them, but where are the others? And Saturn Girl realizes what's happened with the personality swap. It's like, they're evil now. They're, they think they're Hitler, Dillinger, and Nero, and such. And Superboy basically threatens them of, you know, explain the machines, or be destroyed. And Sudden Girl's like, well, that's not going to work well, but I think I can trick them. Because again, it all comes down to trickery in a lot of these stories. She decides to explain the machines. She shows off the atomic constructor that can build, you know, a large building in, you know, from atoms in an instant. By, it, it, like, projects a stream of atoms, so it's like a, a super sci-fi 3D printer of sorts, which is kind of wild. They fly by this huge pipe sticking out of the ground, and she's like, uh, but first I've got to show you the anti-gravity projector. We'll come to this later. She shows that, and Superboy's, yes, but I want to know what that tube machine is. She's like, oh, but the weather control tower over here, that you've got to check out. She's, she's heading to show them that, uses her telepathy to basically tell Lightning Lad and Sunboy to attack the machines to destroy them so they can't get taken by these now villainous 
heroes and such, as she uses the weather control power to create a storm-like thing to blow them away. Well, it doesn't hold them for long. Sunboy's heat's able to disable a few machines. Lightning Lad tries to go hit the tube with his lightning, but Superboy, it's like, oh, this must be a super important machine. I won't let you destroy it. And at this point, Saturn Girl, Sunboy, and Lightning Lad, they're outclassed. They know it. And they decide to make a strategic withdrawal in their spaceship to figure out a way to deal with those three. Because again, three of the most powerful Legionnaires. And we have seen time and again how Lightning Lad and uh, Sunboy's powers really don't do much against Kryptonians. We just saw that, I think, in the previous story with uh, Satan Girl. They head off, and the three remaining now evil Legionnaires say, Oh, but we've got Alactor to explain stuff to us. So, while Alactor is doing that explaining, the Legionnaires decide to go gather their forces, and in come Bouncing Boy, Invisible Kid, Chameleon Boy, and Shrinking Violet. And it's like, we've got to remove the evil personalities to restore them. How are we going to do that? They come up with a game plan. And they're able to sneak back onto the planet somehow without being spotted. And Saturn Girl sends out Invisible Kid to invisibly go sabotage the power tube. Chameleon Boy to disguise himself as one of the three and cause confusion and, and, and whatnot. And Shrinking Violet to become tiny, disable the other machines. I find this interesting because I don't remember exactly when we get the, the Legion espionage squad, but this is kind of sort of unofficially their first mission because those three were core members of that group. Now, this isn't really their first mission officially because, well, it doesn't last but literally like two panels before they're captured because Superboy could hear Invisible Kid's footsteps and then spotted him. Monel found Chameleon Boy posing as Monel, and Ultra Boy quickly got. A shrinking Violet. So, didn't work. And they imprison them where they've got uh, a Lactor at this point. And they're going to operate the super tube. Now, it turns out this tube is essentially a giant rocket to steer this lost world in any direction and whatnot. And they're going to they're gonna go fly this thing to Earth and use it to take over Earth and, and the other worlds. And, of course, all the big shaking and rumbling on the planet because it's moving through space now, powered by a rocket. Uh, the Legionnaires happen to notice. It's like, oh, we've got to go do something. And Saturn Girl realizes evil is evil. Let's use that against them. So she basically uses her thought casting to cast into Superboy, Monel, and Ultra Boy the vulnerabilities of the others. Superboy's vulnerability to green kryptonite, Monel's vulnerability to red, Ultra Boy's vulnerability to radioactive force. Now, Monel at this point still has to drink that antidote every 48 hours which he hasn't done apparently recently enough, according to a very handy footnote here. So his lead weakness is indeed a problem. And we've got the, those three kind of, it's like, oh, let's go search for the Legionnaires separately. I agree. And they go do that, and when they come back, each of them turns on the other. So as Ultra Boy is hitting Monel in the back with a, a block of lead, Monel is shooting the kryptonite gas at Superboy, who is shooting... Ultra Boy with the radioactive projector, and down they go. Saturn Girl has a Lactor undo the personality transfer, and he's like, yeah, I can't trust them anyways. The Legion takes the, the three villains back to the respective points in time to get their just rewards, and it turns out that uh, Superboy, Monel, and Ultra Boy, well, the, Legion was off, the rest of the Legion was off doing that, pushed the Lost World towards this cosmic cloud that will hide it for all of time, never to be seen again. Now, back when 
Alactor was doing the reversal of the transfer. Saturn Girl makes a comment of, yeah, they tricked you, but you tricked us, and your punishment will come later. Well, there's like only two panels left in the story. One for, hey, we'll take these guys back in time, and another of the Lost Worlds getting hidden away. So, no punishment for him. I don't think he's ever seen again. But this is another one of those stories where, in the span of 17 pages, really in under 15 pages, so three quarters of the page count most stories get these days, they told a ton of story, a number of twists and turns, a bunch of reveals, and this is, yeah, kind of the slideshow era thing where you miss a panel and you miss a significant chunk of the story. But it's entertaining, it's, it's a denser story. And in some ways, there's a lot more words on the page, in others, there's just more plot points and such. Definitely different reading experience than a modern comic, but a fun one and one that I enjoy. So, if you haven't read this era of the Legion, and there are a lot of these stories like this one that I don't know that I have, because I don't think the reprints in the digest size of Adventure Comics around issue 500 and after, I don't think they got this far, because that digest only lasted you know, a year or two, and were 50-some-odd stories. No, not all of them were Legion-specific, but we're 50 stories in on all this, at least. A little, little past that, I think. So, again, I thought this was a ton of fun. This was The Supervillain of All Ages Part 1, The Supervillain of All Ages Part 2, The Civil War of the Legion, from Adventure Comics 314. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.